This is uh, Joshua Bell in the Kilt and the Cloth with my Tuesday morning Bible study as we continue the resurrection stories and we are continuing in the Gospel of Mark. As I was listening to our recording last week, uh, I was really, we had some really deep thought processes that took place. Um, and I, one of the things that uh, Ted asked me on the, uh, before before I came was, um, why is the the ending of the Gospel of Mark so controversial? So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait till we get to the end and uh, kind of talk a little bit more about that. But um, so I want to get to chapter 15. Um, Doctor uh, Carter is um, I'm gonna read I'm gonna read the commentary that he has here because it's it's really good and. There's a reason that I use Dr. Carter for his commentary for the Gospel of Mark. It's because a lot of other scholars use Dr. Carter's writings for their own commentary. So, um, so we're, we're we're getting a pretty predominantly world acknowledged source. Um, I mean, he is from New Zealand. Like, it's not. It, it happens to be at Phillips Theological Seminary right now, teaching New Testament in Tulsa. So, um, so it's it's kind of a fascinating thing. So here he goes. He says, Jesus' trial before the Roman prefect, Pilate, was foreshadowed by John the Baptist's experience with Herod. Pilate, like Herod, tries to protect a Jewish religious leader, but in the end orders his death because of concern over the opinions of the larger group, which we've discussed in the Gospel of Matthew specifically. Uh, Dr. Carter continues to say, Pilate was... Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor of Judea under Tiberius Caesar from 26 to 36. His duties included the uh, both the roles of uh, procurator, collecting taxes and protecting imperial estates, and prefect, commanding the Roman troops in Judea. So he was not just in charge of um, the political side, he was also in charge of uh, the policing side. The charge the chief priest leaning against Jesus before Pilate is not blasphemy, but insurrection. Okay, this is the part that's really important for the Gospel of Mark author. That he claimed to be the king of the Jews in Caesar's palace. Since the Jewish council actually did have power to put offenders they had condemned to death, this second trial on different charges before the Roman authority seems superfluous. It may be, as some scholars have suggested, that the author wished to implicate the Jewish authorities in an act that was actually planned and carried out mainly by the Romans in order to make the story of Jesus more palatable to Roman authorities and Gentiles more generally. <laughs> Only the New Testament Gospels recount this custom. According to the Jewish historian Josephus, now this is the guy that I quote all the time, Many isolated Jewish uprisings against Roman rule occurred during this period, which one is intended to is unknown. For example, Barabbas. He's also out, unknown outside of this context. Pilate is portrayed as insightful in recognizing the basic guiltlessness of Jesus when the chief priests are implicated as false witnesses. The crowd, 
who were earlier spellbound by Jesus' teachings, seemed remarkably fickle in allowing themselves to be stirred up against Jesus. It's hard to reconcile this crowd response with the crowds that the religious leaders feared just a day or two before. Crucifixion was a partially, particularly shameful form of capital punishment used by Romans mainly for slaves, robbers, and insurrectionists. It involved being bound or nailed to a post or tree. Pilate, like Herod, is also reluctant to put a righteous man to death. So, uh, and then it goes on to this, by fashioning Jesus' death as the result of the evil machinations of the chief priest over the reluctant Roman governor Pilate, Mark paved the way for millennia of Christian anti-Jewish sentiment, a position strengthened even further by the Gospel of Matthew in his presentation of these events. Yet even Mark cannot deny that in the final analysis, it was Romans and not the Jewish leaders who crucified Jesus. It is important to continue to emphasize the particular narrative and historical truth to counter the continuing evil of anti-Judaism. So, yeah, okay, Robert, go for it. Sorry. I just thought that part of this process was the Jewish leader, because of the time, couldn't put Jesus to death. They wanted it to happen. I mean, this is during Passover. Oh, sure. I, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, there is there is a little bit of this. And I also thought, somehow, somewhere, and it may be in different books, that... Um, the crowd that was called, called, calling for him to be crucified was a, uh, a stacked crowd. I thought they closed the gates and only certain ones got in. And it would have been easy to have the leaders have the rabble rousers. I mean, the people that accused him obviously were picked or they knew what they were going to say. Previous to this, when they were saying he did this or did that, they weren't. They didn't have any disciples sitting there saying what that he had done or did they, they had, I guess what I'm trying to say is they, uh, you know, they they had everything laid out as to what was going to happen, and then Rome Pilate didn't care. It sounds nice that he didn't want to, you know, kill an innocent man, but yeah, I mean, he... you know, at the end of the day. So there's a lot to unpack there. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start with the the crowd. So Matthew and Luke like to play the the category of the crowd. They they love to talk about the mob mentality. Um, and people are easy. And people are very easy. That's right. Before we go anything, I have a question on that. This is how many um, pilgrims came into. Jerusalem for Passover. We don't know. Because my thinking is if if I'm a righteous person going to the holy city and my leaders tell me this guy's bad, I'm gonna go and support my leaders. Yes. So it may not have been the same crowd. They've been entirely different people, but they may not have been as fickle as we thought. It may have been an entirely different crowd of people um than the ones who followed Jesus, who were at home having Passover with their families when all this was happening. So it's a little bit of both ends. So yeah, this is that's exactly where I was going to go. So we, we got we got to go back to this idea that the chief priests 
we we want them to think that everybody on the outside there's two audience three audiences you have those followers of jesus that might not have been of jewish descent and have no idea what passover is all they know is that during passover there's a lot of people in jerusalem it's a perfect time to go trade their wares okay i mean i'm just being anthropologically yeah. open the doves increase that's right value that's right doves increase in value uh lambs increase in value all of these things change during that time frame around jerusalem and they don't have to be in jerusalem because they don't have to be jewish to do that so there's there's that crowd then there's the crowd that are jewish that have been following jesus um that as robert alluded to they're not in this story from, from the very beginning of Jesus's arrest until this point, they're not in this story. It's it's a totally different group of people. And there's your third audience. It's the stacked deck, right? It's the ones that go into the home of Herod. It's the ones that go approach Pontius. It's the ones that arrest him in the Garden of Gethsemane. There's this other audience here that we... Uh, today recognize the gospel writers are saying there's there's even those among us that would not see Jesus as the Savior and would do whatever they had to do to get him out of the way. Why? Because he's challenging the Torah. He's challenging the status quo. And more importantly, he's challenging the religious leaders of the time, which all of the gospels are alluding to were corrupt. We can kind of equate that in, in my lifetime to uh, when, uh, when Jesus Christ Superstar and Godspell came out, um, my my cousins were, were not allowed to go see it because uh, it was it was uh, heretical or whatever the yeah. word would be for the, to, but their parents had never seen it and they weren't going to see it. They just had heard that this was, you know, Jesus dressed as a clown and one of them, you know, so this was not, this is not, this is an anti-Christian thing. You're not allowed to go see it. They never went and saw it. They never heard it. The the Jews coming in that hadn't seen Jesus aren't going to go see because he's, they've been told he's... That's exactly right. Yeah. So before we begin chapter 15, I want to add another audience that we always, I don't, but I, I always bring it to you in your own way. Yeah, 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 I get it. There's Rome. Rome is here. No, no, we got to bring Rome back into this. Say, okay, so here's Herod. I'm not here. Pilate, Pontius Pilate. <laughs> Dr. Cutter writes an entire book on Pontius Pilate. He loves following him. From 36, he has this really interesting history. He does all of these really cool things for the Roman Empire. And then all of a sudden in 36, he just drops off the mat. Like there's... And he does all of this stuff to uh, elevate Rome, but he just completely falls off. And remember, Rome is the ones are the ones that are writing at the time. So, um, so Dr. Carter has just a little bit of affinity towards Pontius Pilate. I, I say this all the time. Rome does not have to do anything the religious leaders suggest. In any way, shape, or form. The fact that they have the ability to talk to him is already uh, abnormal. Like, 
here, we're just going to show up to your building and talk is abnormal. It's just like you would think of today. The religious leaders would have had to set up an appointment. They would have had to set up a time to come see Pontius Pilate. So the fact that they just show up and uh, is completely ludicrous. The other part about this is Pilate does not in any way, shape, or form um, and will not, through Mark's gospel, do anything to hurt Rome or to implicate himself because his goal is we already know that there's riots that are taking place inside of Jerusalem and he wants them squashed. And maybe this Jesus guy is the reason. Anthropologically, we know that that was happening. As we go into this, uh, just top, top of my head too, and, and I'm going to use Judas. Okay. You know, Judas was disappointed in Jesus. He was not the guy that he wanted. Right. Well, if you start looking at Barabbas, Pontius Pilate would he would have been one that he wanted to get rid of. We think. Yeah. I mean, uh, but of the ones, ones that the he doesn't care, not that he cares about any of but the other one is actually what they're accusing Jesus of being Barabbas. Mm -hmm. That may have been the one that people wanted because Jesus didn't do what they wanted. He wasn't there with us. It's possible. You know, he's he's their revolutionary guy. I like I like this. His name I, is also Jesus. Yeah, that would be confusing. It would be. You know, you you know, at this point, his name would have been just the same as mine. Like Yeshua is like a derivative, a Hebrew derivative of the word Jesus. So it literally translates in like the the word the way. You know, so his name doesn't necessarily go that way. All right, let's read because uh, I want I want to get to that point. Hey, Josh. Yes. My commentary says that the reason why Pilate is there is he's supposed to be keeping peace. And the Jewish authorities could not accuse Jesus of blasphemy because Pilate wouldn't do anything about it. They had to whether claim that he was claiming to be king of the Jews, which was challenging Caesar's rule. Yes, that would be a good commentary. That would be a really good commentary. Thank you. So let's read it. As soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. They bound Jesus, led them away, and headed it. Wait, the whole council right there in verse 1. Is that the Greek word for Sanhedrin again? Why in the my translation says Sanhedrin. Is this mine? Yours says Sanhedrin. Sanhedrin and that's a It's not the word that we had for Sanhedrin because that was Sanhedrin. Yeah, that was that was obviously. That's why I was making a big deal. So this is one of those we have to be careful with <laughs> our translations. You know, I tell you this every once in a while. Some of your translations are automatically going to put. And please understand, I'm not making a uh, a soapbox. 
it's not that they intend to be anti-Jewish, but it's what we've been brought up to believe for almost 2,000 years. So we can add phrases like, well, the Sanhedrin, you know, the bad Jew people, we're, we're, we're going to add those kind of translations in there. So here, that the reason I was having her stop is, is that's not the word in Greek. It's not Sanhedrin like it was uh, in the previous chapter. Does that make sense? So if here says Sanhedrin, um, I'm not saying that it's anti-Jewish. It's just not the right word in Greek. Um, it'd be the Council of Elders and Scribes. It's really, I can't remember the word that you just read. I don't remember. I think it must have been Simulon. Yeah, that's, and that is. Again, they, they transfer the words. And I haven't looked this up because we've never taught it. Yeah, no, I, I don't think. Simulon. Simulion. Simulion is, but it's still not Yeah, it's council. Mine says the entire high council. So I think that would be a safer translation, but high, they added the high to it. The high council is the Sanhedrin. Again, I'm making a mountain out of a mountain. I'm just, these are those translation things that are kind of important. Um, Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? He answered him, you say so. Brilliant answer, by the way. Then the chief priests accused him of many things, Pilate asked him again, have you no answer? See how many charges they bring against you? But Jesus made no further reply, so that Pilate was amazed. Now at the festival, he used to release a prisoner for them, any one for whom they asked. Now a man called Barabbas was in prison with the rebels who had committed murder during the insurrection. So the crowd came and began to ask Pilate to do for them according to his custom. Then he answered them, do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he realized that it was out of jealousy that the chief priests had handed him over. But the chief priest, now here's where Robert caught that part, stirred up the crowd uh, to, and, and him recognized that now you've got other people that are, that are just listening to the chief priests to have him release Barabbas for them instead. Pilate spoke to them again, then what do you wish me to do with the man you call? You call, you see how he did that? You call the king of the Jews. They shouted back, crucify him. Well, Pilate asked him, notice notice how he starts to make him, Mark is making Pilate getting ready to wash his hands off. Uh, what evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, crucify him. So Pilate wish, wishing to satisfy the crowd, which is yeah, and that's and it's ludicrous that he would do that. Re release Barabbas for them, and after flogging Jesus, he handed him over to be crucified. Actually, of course, he wouldn't have flogged him and just have him scourged. He, he had him scourged. He had him scourged. That's right. He wouldn't sew his hands with something that. No, this is beneath him. him. That's right. This is this is at the bottom of the totem pole. He li literally. Jesus is this flea in, or a fly in the ointment at the moment. Then the soldiers led him to, into the courtyard of the palace, that is the governor's headquarters. Praetorium is the word. The, and it is Praetorium. Oh, sweet. Yeah, and it was a big, big building. Um, it was just off off to the side of the of the temple, like, and it was taller than the temple. So, like, uh, 
you, you, you'd be in, in, in his building and it overshadowed the temple on the outside of it. So they're in town. They're in town. Oh, yeah. yeah. Time. Would that be because they didn't want to hear the cries? And <laughs> I mean, it would be harder to. Oh, it's psychological. If the temple is smaller than the praetorium that Pontius lives in. Oh, okay. Is so, you know, Rome is bigger than your little god. And Jerusalem's built on stairs. Yeah. I mean, town's here, temple's here. So he's up here. Yeah. Wasn't Herod's even further yeah. up the hill? Yep. Yeah. Herod's was further up the hill. Now, it was, it's really kind of fascinating. You could see where the temple mound was, and then you could see where, and I cannot remember the name of the building, but the praetorium that Pilate's talking about here is, is, is just right next to it. Um, it's built within the walls um, and you can see it I just can't remember the name of the building and that's where he's going to start to go up to the yes yeah so um, if I had a map there's one over there oh yeah this works out really well Sarah found in the supply room yeah, so uh, okay, so this is fairly recent. Betty, I'm going to show them this map. You're not going to be able to see it, but I'll show you uh, later. Okay, so um, the way it worked is if you're looking at it, this 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 helps me because. That's a better angle. So the Temple Mount is right here. Um, over here, where it says Solomon's throne. So here's the walls of Jerusalem. It's all the way around the outside. Um, where this this is a fairly recent thing. Right here in this area, that Mount Moriah, that's the uh, uh, the Chabad Al Shafir or the Dome on the Rock. Um, right here. There was a, a castle built um, uh, for Pontius Pilate, and that's kind of where he lived. And then when he starts to do the walk, he comes down here. i got to find the Church of St. Anne. There it is. And then there's what we call the Stations of the Cross. So he's led out of this courtyard right here, and he goes down here, and then he walks up the uh, Shaddad, or the, the he's in the Muslim quarter today. Um, and you walk up here, and then you can just kind of see where all the, the churches are. He goes to the monastery of the St. Anne, um, the flagellation, that's where he was beat. And then there's the convent of the Sisters of Zion, and then there's the Church of Our Lady of the of Spain. And then, try to follow it. But then he just kind of keeps walking. That was just homes, or is that? Yeah, they, these were all like... homes at that time. And, and so there's this big castle, and then there's the temple. And it wasn't really, this is not great in the idea of the, the map, but the, because it wasn't a big geographical location. It didn't take up a lot of space, but Pilate's house, it was big, humongous. <laughs> and then that Herod's wall that we call today the, the, the Wailing Wall is right here. So while all of this is taking place, 
So where was he crucified at for Zidane? Uh, so there's the tomb. This is where I get confused. You know, when you're there, there's two places. And he was crucified. So the Garden of Gethsemane is over here. There it is. Right On the other side of the valley. On the other side of the valley. So you have to, this is, this uh, golden gate, by the way, is completely closed off because that's where Jesus is going to come back through in the second coming. And, and, and no political leader since the time of Christ has allowed that gate to be opened. Mm. Even the Muslims kept it closed for fear of who walks through that gate. Just to give you an idea, say where the cemetery is, and the cemetery that I talked to you about the time is right here. So this Church of All Nations, that's right next to the Garden of Now, why does that matter? The the tomb is supposed to well, not the tomb, but where he was crucified is supposed to be over here. Now, here's the problem: you get to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, that's where he was supposedly um, prepared. Right, and then the tombs are all outside. That doesn't work, right? Historically, that doesn't work. So, all from here on, if we followed the story, the homogenized version of Jesus's death and resurrection, he's walking all the way through this. Kind of does this. He's going to die here, and then they're going to bury him out there. But that doesn't work in the story, right? Because that means the skull of Golgotha which is over here someplace, uh, is not in, it's not in the story. So he dies out here. So he would have walked out here and probably walked out should have been the sheep's gate, out of Herod's gate. Walks out of Herod's gate, and then up here is where the skull of Golgotha is. Um, and, then, and then it says, where was Jesus buried? In the, in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Some say, though, he, he was maintained in the, and buried in the garden tomb. So if you go there today, out right outside, you go out the Damascus Gate, you walk through this thing, uh, through the Sultan Solomon Boulevard, which is hilarious, and there's the garden tomb, which is where he was buried. And then he resurrects somehow back in the, in the walls of Jerusalem. So where he's crucified, he's sped on the main road. Uh, at the time, yeah, it would have been. We don't have maps of that. No, but so space-wise, how big is that? Harry, Stillwater? How many miles? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it is. I mean, it's approximately. Uh, well, it looks like an inch is 250 feet. So I'm going to say 250 feet. So that's probably the size of the city. of. It seems like it was bigger than Harry. Um, it probably felt more like because there's so many people right on top of each other. Well, the main part of Jerusalem, except for where your family is, is where people live today. Oh, well, yeah, people live all around here, but people live in this. It's it's broke out that way the Jewish quarter, the Muslim quarter, the Christian quarter, and the Armenian quarter. People I, live there and they have businesses there and the church is there, but most of the us, if we went to go live there, it'd be outside. Now, I don't know why I'm spending so much time on this, but the crucifixion story to Mark uh, is the one that we go off of. And uh, 
it's it's kind of a problem if if this is how it worked. Here's the you know the, here's this gigantic yeah. uh, building overshadowing the Temple Mount, right? And then he gets killed, and they're now Mark is going to change the story. Remember Matthew, you know, they just beat him up and, and and then they just crucified him as if it didn't. There, there's no and the rest of the story, which is what we're going to read right now. <clears throat> so they called together the whole cohort. They clothed him in the purple cloak. This is the soldiers. Oh, yeah. I'm uh, 16. 16 and 17. And twisting some thorns into a crown, they put it on him and they began saluting him. Hail, King of the Jews. They struck his head with a reed spat upon him and knelt down in homage to him and after mocking him they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him then they led him out to crucify him how do we know any of that huh how do we know any of that we don't I mean, this this is mark's story all romans. right these are all romans okay. that are doing this who's so, seeing this yeah it's all out who was taking notes we're just taking notes so here's I'm gonna I'm a rabbit trail for just a second. One of the most awesome things that took place in the 1980s and 90s was this idea of trying to figure out the red letter version of the Bible. Like, let's look at historical documentation and try to see if we can figure out who says who's this audience that's hearing this. This is obviously not Jesus's writing, right? And, and we have some basic tools that we can use to do that. If I'm going to look at Laura Ingalls Wilder and I'm going to look at her books, I can tell uh, her style of writing. Even if she changes genres, I can still tell just by a little bit that this is her writing. <laughs> it's very rare that somebody can switch genres of writing and you can't tell that it was them that wrote it. Stephen King, for example, he most of it, everything that everybody remembers for him is the horror books that he wrote. But they don't remember that he wrote like Stand By Me or The Green Mile. And that's, but when you read it and you read the descriptions of how he writes, they're identical. He's taking place in a certain place. He talks about the way that the ge geography looks. You cannot change that. Mark is somehow getting this from an earlier eyewitness report. Someone saw this. Matthew and Luke don't have that. But probably not Jewish. That, that's all. That's I, right. There wouldn't have been anybody Jewish. Inside the governor's in, palace. In, in with the soldiers. That's right. That's why this is an important thing. That's why I had to comment on Robert, because you, you caught it. The Jewish audience would not have seen inside Pontius Pilate's we're going. So somebody is telling whoever's writing the Gospel of Mark, this is what we saw. That's a cool thing to think about. We don't get to talk about that in sermons or in Sunday school classes. Let's keep going. Unless I'm, anybody needs a moment, a brain break. If it happened today, everybody would have their phones out. Good, good. Yes, that's a really pictures. great. We'd have people with their big phones out taking pictures. Mm -hmm. And and uh and and uh, the the days of the paparazzi uh, could have been like in this right. experience. Yeah. 
So this person could be like a paparazzi looking in mm -hmm. and seeing it. Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted you to connect to. So they compelled a passerby. I love this part. Who was coming in from the country to carry his cross. It was Simon of Cyrene. Um, so I'm going to just read something here that was kind of interesting. It, they, they read his name is he's the father of Alexander and Rufus. Only the cross beam, not the cro entire cross, was customarily carried by the prisoner. Cyrene is a city on the North African coast. Simon, Alexander, and Rufus are otherwise unknown figures. Uh, so right off the bat, there's a connection to Mark's audience. So, you know, Simon of uh, Cyrene, you, you guys know him. He's from Africa. Remember that guy? Then they brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Uh, where Golgotha really is, I, I just, I'm not comfortable lying to you. We don't know where it is. Archaeologists have, have looked. They've tried to figure out where this, there are two, like I said, there are two places that when, even when I was there and I was listening to tour guides, one tour guide said, well, it's over here. And literally, and that I listened to another guy say, and it's over here. Uh, not ours, but a whole different one. And, and even today, there's not even a connection of the place of the skull. Um, so I just want to be historically accurate with you as much as possible. But what we do know is that he most likely went out either the Herod or the Damascus Gate because there was a lot of open field there and there were uh, tombs uh, where Jews were being buried as well as over by the Garden of Gethsemane. But it doesn't make sense to bury him over by the Garden of Gethsemane in the story. It, uh, one thing to take into into consideration is that if the Jews, if the Romans are going to crucify someone, that's they're making a statement, so it has to be visible, right? So it can't be too far out or too far away, and it can't be on a low spot. It has to be high over the city where everybody can see. And, about the road. and coincidentally, that part is higher uh, topographically um, where people would see it. It's just weird that they have to pinpoint in every place else of some importance of happening in Jesus' life. This is where it happened, but yet the crucifixion, they don't know. Or... It's subliminal. Yeah. If you say it that way, I mean, it's not, it's not look, this is where we won a great battle. Yeah. Where are you? Well, it's not we're, important to the, the story either, the outcome. Yeah. Well, I don't make any difference where it happened. And... It's just kind of weird that, and it probably didn't mean nearly as much to them at that time as it does to us in this time. I'm trying. I'm trying very hard not to do it. I don't think I can do it without doing it. Let's do it. love you anyway. Don't you All of those places <laughs> that I showed you on the map, uh -huh. they were designated by the Knights Templar in 1096 during the Crusades. Um, they're the ones that built the churches there. Um, all of these other places, they were not historically relevant to that culture in any way, shape, or form. Um, the only ones that made it relevant were the Crusaders. So from 1096 on, we start making and claiming places as holy relics. 
nobody else did that. So, um, so why is what that constitutes better? Yeah, we, I mean, I mean we know we know where she died. Yeah, a church. They build it in honor of her, but not necessarily no on any particular place. No, when the got, got a good deal on the land, right? They did well. I mean, they they killed everybody around it. <laughs> Nobody argued with him. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I, I mean, I just, I want to be realistic with you in the sense of when Christian conquest takes over in 1096, the goal was to reclaim this area in the name of God through Jesus Christ, but they did it out of blood. And then once they've cleared out everybody that didn't agree with them, then they claimed the land in the name of Jesus Christ and built churches. Slight side note, the crusaders killed the Christians and they did. That's exactly else. Yeah, yeah, they did. So um, it, so the, the crusaders are the ones that built all these churches. And so from that point on, all the stuff that we go see while we're there uh, has been there from the crusaders world. I guess my brain says that these people, right after Jesus' death, even up to um, St. Constantine, we supposed to send more documentation. Uh, we're more concerned about who Jesus was and where they are left. Yes. Not where anything happened. They knew where it happened. Right. I mean, you know, they... Well, they kind of did. Remember, he doesn't... He didn't... He didn't part that's hard for us is that we... Remember, we... We're talking about a kid from Nazareth who got a following of people because he did miraculous things through healing that claimed he was the son of God or son of man. He raised people from the dead. He himself was been, had, had been reported to have risen from the dead. And as far as anybody outside of that circle knew, that's all he did. I, I know I'm, I'm being, sounds like I'm being pessimistic, but I don't believe in God. But that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, in Jerusalem, all they knew was they lost everything. Their temple was gone. The, the one guy that could have helped them, he gets killed. Um, all of his actual followers, they disappear into the wind. And everything that they knew and loved and understood, it's gone. And no one, no one claims that until 1096. And with that. They just abandoned Jerusalem. This audience... Pick a number, less than 10,000. Yeah. Oh, the yeah, population of, of a million right at that time. Yeah. So this is this is a big deal. So I'm, I'm making, I didn't want to sound like I was being a pessimist. So all we need to know is it all happened here. Yes. <laughs> yes. I was going to say. Here. The, the, the reason that we have this, we're able to have these conversations, the reason that we're able to talk about it today is somehow, sometimes by the grace of God, mostly by the grace of man, um, we have the ability to continue to tell the story and make better choices. That's That's part it kind of reminds me of the Old Testament that we need to know the story. Yes. The, the, that, uh, the, the, the names of the people. That's just, it doesn't make any difference. It's that's, you need the story, not the names of the people. We need the story, not the names of the places that's or the exactly they were. And one thing that's running through my brain, I haven't mentioned, this is not a historical document. I mean, that's the hardest one. And that's my, that's where my brain always goes. Yeah. You know, 
George Washington slept here on this date. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm after this happened here on this date. So but that's what I was thinking about JFK and the assassination. Oh, it happened here. It happened over here. It happened, you know, but it's all kind of in that area type thing. Well, that's nothing justifiable, but we went to see the Alamo. And I'm, I'm quirky, I guess. I don't know what's wrong with me. But anyway, <laughs> it takes us to get off this exit at Alamo this way. There's like town. Like, no, this can't be right. It's out in the desert. <laughs> and so we get back and we go around, get back on the interstate. We did that at least probably 10 times. Unfortunately, I was like, it has to be down somewhere. And it could build the town around the Alamo. Yeah. 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 It's supposed to be out there. We could well, go to the movie set. About the Battle of Bighorn <laughs> is, is just a big empty field with nothing around it. And the, and the markers or where they found bullet cases, not necessarily where they found bodies. That's but right. That's, that's, you know. And I think it's interesting, and I think it's important in our Bible study that you recognize that that's our culture. Our culture loves to chronicle and um, understand where we came from. We, we do that a lot. That over there, it's just a part of their life. You know, this is just the story is what's important. The story is for them is what's important. It, and that's why there's two places where Jesus grew up in Nazareth. He grew up in Nazareth. That's all they cared. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he probably, I love how they said it, he probably came to this house. That's how they, they tell the story. Here, it's it's very important for us that we, we chronicle the event and we tell the story. That's why it's really hard for us when we read this because we want, this is where it happened and this is why? Well, we, not really why. This is just where it happened. We want the box with the bow on top. We do want the box with the bow on top. And I don't have any problems with that. It's just that when we read this part of the story, for them, it's the pain. This is, <laughs> this is someone's journal. So, for example, let's let's just keep reading. Uh, it says, the place that means the skull, Right. They offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. Listen to that language. And they crucified him and divided his clothes among him, casting lots to decide what each should take. Matthew does not go into any of this detail. Mm -hmm. Mark is saying, and this is what happened with our Jesus. Then it goes into saying it was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. The inscription uh, of the charge against him read the king of the Jews. By the way, that's the I-N-R-I. -I, that's the uh, Latin version of that. So, um, And with him, they crucified two bandits, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by uh, derided or made fun of blasphemed him and shaking their heads and saying, Aha, you would do and destroy the temple and build it in three days. Save yourself and come down from the cross. In the same way that the chief priests, along with the scribes, were also mocking him and among themselves saying, he saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Mashiach, Messiah come down. Uh, oh, let the Messiah, the King of Israel come down and from the cross now so that we may now see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also taunted him. When it was noon, Darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. At three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani, 
which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders heard it. They said, listen, he is calling for Elijah. And check this out. Someone ran, filled a sponge with the sour wine and put it on a stick and gave it to him to drink, saying, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take his last. And the curtain at the temple was torn from two, from top to bottom. Now, when the centurion, who just shows up, by the way, who stood facing him, saw that in this way, he breathed his last. He said, truly, this man was God's son. There were also women looking on from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, the younger uh, Joseph, and Salome. They used to follow him and provided for him. With <laughs> and there were many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem. I'm okay, going to stop. interesting here that the, uh, the two soldiers, I mean, they're saying the two being crucified also taunted him. There's no mention of Jesus saving them from the story. Right. No, he didn't say to you, don't worry where I'm going to take you. You're, it's better than this or however said. Mary's mother, James. James, Jesus' brother. Yes. <laughs> okay. So the name and off a couple of the sisters. But also, he doesn't give his mother credit. Yeah. It'd be nice if he just said, hey, man, uh, your mom is here. Nope. One other thing I did for you to sign. Um, it's a great question. Probably only people that were nobility. I remember who are going to be there. Who, that's right. I mean, they're they're the signs there to mock him. That's right. Just okay. <laughs> anyway. Sorry. No. So, and the, it just died. And he just dies. I mean, Josh. Yes, Betty. In my commentary, it says that wine mixed with myrrh was intended to have a numbing effect on the death. Yeah, it was a, uh, it would it would make it a sweet, it's like mor morphine. That was the first drink. Yeah. It'd been, it would have been, it'd been like morphine. It's drink. So, Elijah. Does how does this how does he fit in with the Passover piece? That's the one the so straight out of right. Remember that yeah, and Elijah, you leave the door open because he may come in. Um, Elijah is the one that rides up into the chariot of fire, and in their understanding, he's going to come back and prepare the way of the coming of the Lord. Um, it's their whole tradition. Not an angel, a real person. Not an angel, a real person, a prophet. That's right. So, I mean, I know that he's out there next to Moses, but Moses didn't come back. Moses I'm, is not here. Yeah, that's right. Didn't call. The part that I really want you all to catch is look at all of the, the definition of Jesus's death. Matthew did not have all of this stuff in there. Um, Mark really spends a lot of time into this. Um, they don't poke him with a spear in this one, do they? they do not poke him with a spear in they this break one. their legs. Don't break his legs. Which his legs weren't broken yet. So that's what said. 
there's a lot of weird Creek stuff here, but I can't remember it right now. I'd have to pull out my notes. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna end our recording today with this concept. I know that I was talking about the historicity of Jerusalem at the time of Jesus, and we don't we don't know where those places are physically. Um, the Crusaders set it up in such a way that say here's this these physical locations. When you read when I read the Gospel of Mark, I have to remind myself that this is someone's personal journal. And it's good to think of it that way, that in the midst of all of the things that they went to, Mark is giving you an example of how he's dealing with his grief. It's awful. And he watched all of these things. When we do our Good Friday service, uh, these that, that last part of the Good Friday service that we do, that's, I'm yelling, you know, um, that, that part is, taken almost completely from the gospel of Mark. Because what Mark is trying to allude to, and what I try to portray on that Good Friday service is God is disappointed in God's creation. Here's the opportunity for the audience to stand up for and change the way the world is viewing the Messiah, and they did nothing. Here's the opportunity for them to stand up where they outnumbered the Roman soldiers and defend their place of honor in the name of God, and they did nothing as their temple was destroyed and, and, and burned to the ground. They are in deep, deep grief and pain. Um, and, and you hear that. I would hope that you hear that as we read this passage of scripture in the sense of uh, this is way different than the gospel of Matthew's uh, portrayal of the resurrection, the, the death of Jesus, um, where Luke is going to be extremely different than Matthew or Mark. They're going to take bits and pieces of it and more of the things he's going to, he's going to be like, Oh yeah, it happened here. And it was this person. And this person said that where Matthew and Mark didn't do that at all. Um, but this is written out of pain. And I really want us to emphasize that. And But I don't want to leave with that idea. The problem with the Gospel of Mark, as in conclusion, is, is that it doesn't end with a happy note. Um, because for them, the world had ended. And... I'm going to leave it there um, on the recording.